Blog Talk Radio. to oppress people, African power to African people. It's your brother, Chairman Yang and Krumah, uh, People's Black Panther Party, coming again with Independence Black Talk Radio. What's on your mind? Monday, man, as always, had a beautiful week and am so honored and privileged and happy to be able to address the uh, masses, man, the proletarian, the everyday working class brothers and sisters. And like I always say, this is your radio program an opportunity for you to express your opinions, your views, critiques, criticisms. we just like to hear from you and have a discussion with you and wrap with you. Our topic today, the need for institutions. Now, I know what a lot of us think when I say institutions, especially being a colonized people. The first thing that comes to mind when we hear institutions are um, correctional facilities. But I'm talking about in the term, in the literal term of institutions, a place of programming, a place where ideas are implemented and not just implemented, but embedded so deeply that they become an action. So the need for revolutionary black nationalist institutions. And why the need for these revolutionary black nationalist institutions? Because there are institutions that ensure a white supremacist ideology, way of life, legislation, rules, and all of those things. And there's no way to battle these racist institutions without having uh, counter institutions, revolutionary counter institutions. And this is one of the and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to touch on this subject because. You know, in a lot of discussion I'm having with people, and I had a discussion earlier with a comrade, and one of the things the comrade was saying was, I don't see what you're doing. 
You know what I'm saying? What it, what it, what it, and not just the People's Black Panther Party, but I think he was questioning all formations or all rever- progressive revolutionary organizations. What are they doing? I don't see what they're doing. And I had to go into explaining that there is a difference between a revolutionary and an activist. There is a difference between a revolutionary and an activist. What is the difference? One of the things is that activists are just that. It's exactly what the name says. They're very active and things of their community and things around them, and you, you constantly see them on the front line. And they're very much needed. But the revolutionary is one who sees, has long-term goals and objectives. Their highest aspiration is to change the system that we're living in in this day and time. So this is the need for revolutionary institutions. And the revolutionary uh, understands the difference between the revolutionary and the activist, like I said. And, it's, and and listen, listen, activism is good. And a lot of, you know, a revolutionary must be an activist or had some type of activist experience, have walked in the activist footsteps at one point in time in their journey to the, on this road of revolution. But the activist, to be a revolutionary, the revolutionary is an evolved activist because the activist will react to things that are going down, to the issues that affect us. And like I said, this is necessary. But the revolutionary is one that is given to a little bit more planning. A little, Their goals and objectives are long-term. They begin to develop things that will not just affect us immediately, and sometimes it doesn't. We don't even see the immediate effect of it, but it starts to affect us in the long goal. We're looking at the revolutionary understands the thing of a protracted struggle. They understand the need to create these institutions that our young people will start to embrace and start to be indoctrinated in self-empowerment, in liberation, in self-determination, in self-sufficiency. And this is the need for institutions. This is why we have to do what we have to do every day that we're living, we understand that institutions have been developed to have us to make the choices and the decisions that we embark upon. Even if we're deceived into believing that we have a, uh, an option, you know, the options are given to us. A, B, and C is given to us. D, E, and F are not options, and especially if they're options that go contrary to the um, our challenge is the status quo or would disrupt a people's way of life, then those options aren't given. And the revolutionary understands, the revolutionary begins to think outside the box, and the revolutionary understands and sees the trap of A, B, and C. They realize that, I like to liken it to the movie, um, What's the Matrix? They realize all of it is like the Matrix that all of it is coming from the same source and going in the same direction. And the revolutionary wants to get off of that track. The revolutionary begins to understand that this track is detrimental to the very people that they're fighting for. And this is why we have the need for institutions. So my questioning, my question to the brothers and sisters out there listening, and like I said there again, this is your radio program, brothers and sisters, this is an opportunity for you to express yourself and to give opinions is how do we begin to develop these, these institutions? And why is it imperative and why is it so hard to develop? We understand, you know, I'm constantly looking at the Facebook. I'm looking at, uh, you know, YouTube, and we have all of these 
scholars, some self-proclaimed, and some actual scholars. And we know the ploy. We know the traps. We know the tricks of our adversary, of our enemy. And since we know them or we profess to know them so blatantly, why is it so difficult for us as they begin to develop these institutions and to thwart off the attacks or to um, get around the tricks and the traps that have been laid out to destroy us? You know, one of my, one of, in, in, you know, to start the conversation off, in my opinion, is because of you look at, especially coming after the populist movement, the, the people's movement of the 60s and 70s, when the masses of people demanded a social change. You had the Vietnam War going on. So you had people that were protesting that. The black power movement started to really begin to grow legs and teeth and to have a bite and a kick to itself. So you had that going on. You had the feminist movement. Uh, the women started clamoring for equal rights and to be recognized. And so you had that going on. And going on, it forced the government to begin to address them and to come up with legislation to appease the people because that's all it was, was just an appeasement for a moment. But they didn't stop there, especially for the African here in America. They, be, they began to bombard us with materialism and consumerism. They began to take our focus off of what really was important, and that was the self-determination. That was the right to choose our own destiny. That was really destroying or severing that tie, creating uh, disharmony in the community, killing the sense of uh, um, urgency for empowerment, the sense of, of responsibility and obligation to a people's race. This materialism began to destroy that because integration, what integration did for us, at this particular time, was not only did we, we see, in our mind, we perceive integration to be one thing, you know, and it's normal for any oppressed people to begin to want to have what their oppressor has, to begin to want to come from under the yoke of ex- exploitation and suppression and repression and all of these things. So that's natural. But what we failed to realize what was happening to us, not only that the physical body wasn't integrated. No, 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 your black self wasn't integrated. You know, and the proof that we physically weren't integrated is to go into any major city, you still see segregation taking place. You still have the black people clumped over here, what they affectionately call the ghettos, not the projects, and you find these other ethnicities practicing nationalism to their empowerment when you go to places like Chinatown and Little Italy and Little Russia and Little Cuba and all the rest of these places. So you see where their nationalism has taken an hold, taken an effect, because they understand their institutions promote and push not just the need, but also the obligation of race responsibility and accountability. So you see that. So you see these thriving communities. You see these um, people that become empowered and so empowered that even the government has to address them and has legislation especially for them. But when you look to the African here in America, what began to happen to us is when we thought that integration would mean equality for the black man and the black woman here in America or the African man and the African woman here in America, it meant the complete opposite. It disempowered us. It disempowered us. 
because the only thing that was accepted from us was our money. The only thing that we integrated was our money. And in integrating our money and starting going to their stores, like I've said before and you've heard me said before, the civil rights movement to me, the integrationist movement, is probably one of the most baffling things that I've studied in our struggle for liberation here in America for black people. You know, I didn't, you know, I was a baby during that time. You know, in the in the and and we were coming out of. In fact, I came up in the Black Power era, so I never really understood the integrationist movement. I couldn't understand, and I still have trouble understanding why people would sit in, walk in, march in, be beaten at lunch counters to spend a dollar with a people who obviously don't want you there. I it baffles the hell out of me. It baffles me when and this is why we talk about institutions. Because institutions will teach you against such destructive behavior and destructive thinking. It baffles me to why uh, our dear brother, the, the late great Reverend Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King, when he uh, led the Montgomery bus boycotts for us not to be discriminated against and sit on the back of the bus. See, an integrationist wants equal rights with the white man. He wanted to be able to sit next to this white man. He wanted to be able to sit anywhere he wants to go. But the black nationalist starts to understand, and the black nationalist institution will teach us that it is not advantageous. It is not sufficient for us to sit next to this white man, but since we understand the power that our pennies hold, since we understand since we brought the bus company, we crippled them economically, that at that particular time, would it have not been better to create a black-owned bus company? You see, this is what a free, independent people start thinking. But due to this institution of white supremacy and the way that we, we had thought, that we thought that we would have arrived, that we made it, when we could sit next to this white man or we could sit in the front of the bus. And nine times out of ten, when we begin to sit on the front of the bus, white people begin to take taxis. It probably made the taxi companies rich at this particular time or the automotive industry. They probably started buying cars because they don't want to be with you. You understand? So not so. then we begin to integrate our money, and when we integrated our money with them and in our effort to be equal with them and our lack of institution, we begin to integrate our morals and our ethics. We begin to integrate our morals and our ethics. And when we begin to integrate our morals and our ethics, we started to hold in esteem what they held in esteem. We started to measure our success by what the European, the white man here in America, measured his success. This is what began to happen to you and I. And when we did this, when we became individualistic, which is a European trait, when we became all about the rugged individual and the individual pulling himself up and left this African communalism, left a sense of community, left this sense of uh, brotherhood and sisterhood that existed amongst us, when we begin to become materialistic and saying that having owning a house in a certain neighborhood or having a certain amount in your bank accounts or wearing a certain particular, a certain type of suit equated success, we no longer saw the need for institutions or black institutions. You see, when we were segregated, and I don't advocate segregation. I am not a segregationist. I am a separatist. And there's a very big difference, and we will go into that in the show. I am a separatist, and I advocate that. But when we begin to, um, when we begin to take on this, this, this rugged individualism and thinking that we've arrived and equated our success by the same thing that 
the white man or this European equated his success to and lost his sense of community or the sense of communalism, then we begin to allow the institutions that created the things that we needed for our community, that created the people that we needed to run our community, they begin to falter. We allowed them to just fall apart because we started to become even more independent, even more dependent upon our oppressor. So why the need for institutions? You ask me, why the need for institutions? Because we need those things that will counter that. A lot of us have been a colonialism. A lot of us have been steeped in Eurocentric thinking from our schools to our churches to our social clubs to just the very programs that we watch on television and the music that we listen to. We're steeped in this Eurocentric mindset, and so we're, 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 we're not balanced anymore. And prayerfully, those of us that have come to some type of common sense, some type of right thinking, some type of sense that says, you know what, the way that African people are living here today is unrealistic, it's unbelievable, then we understand that we must create the institutions that teach our children to be other than what we are. Let's face it, brothers and sisters, that's the hardest thing, you know. I find that the hardest thing is to be, when you go to these um, alcoholic anonymous places and these drug abuse places, the first thing that people tell me they say is you have to admit that you have a problem. So one of our first things in building institutions is admitting that the African man and woman here in America has a very serious problem. Institutions that exist today has taught us to be unnatural. We are very unnatural people. We do things that are not only uh, counterproductive but are pro-destructive in our community in an effort to emulate other people, buying into an American dream that even for white people, only a few percent succeed at, and we still buy into this dream. So then we must develop these institutions, these institutions, and when we start to, and understand this, this is the thing that, what, what, why we need these institutions, because we've become so unnatural in our process of living here in America they have created us to be so unnatural that when you say words like African communalism, when you say words like black unity, when you say words, the old dreaded word, here it comes, brothers and sisters, you ready for it, black nationalism, then you have been taught to such a degree that that is a bad word that you shudder at the thought of being labeled a black nationalist, that your mouth won't even form the nouns that it, that it takes to say black nationalists. The nouns are the uh, uh, everything, every other letter that goes with it, to say black nationalists. Because you have been taught that to empower yourself as a people is a bad thing. Yet every day that you live and breathe here in the United States, when you see foreigners come over, you see nationalism taking place. You see it. How have you been so deceived? Have you been so tricked? Have you been so blinded and separated from the people from whence you came? 
How have you been so removed emotionally and spiritually as not to feel any sense of uh, um, connectedness, not only with the brothers and sisters here in America, but our brothers and sisters on the continent, in our place of our origin, in the motherland? How have you lost this? It's because their institutions have taught that. Their institutions have taught you to be disconnected. They have institutions that teach you that everything out of Africa is foul and vile. They've taught you that. While everything coming from them is good. And how do the other foreign people that come over here enable, uh, hold on to their identity and hold on to their nationalism? You say, well, they go to our schools. I see them in, in the public schools that my children have Asian classmates and Arab classmates and Latino classmates and other ethnicities. But when they go home, there is an institution of heritage, an institution of culture, an institution of language, the institution of food, the institution of morals and ethics that are still taught at home. So they have that countermeasure at home. And this is what we have to understand. So us as a revolutionary, this is what we must begin to establish to be able to counteract some of those very things that affect our children. If not, then you will be raising an abnormal child. You will, your child will be abnormal, and you will wonder what's wrong with your child. They say, oh, Brother Yanga, how is this abnormal? How you say, my child is abnormal, my child gets great grades and their addiction is good and, 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 and all these other things that come with it. But like I always use the analogy, if you see a dog meowing, purring like a cat and chasing mice and climbing trees, you would say that's the damnedest thing. That's the weirdest dog. I've never seen a dog like that before. In fact, you would get that dog, you would take that very dog there and you would put that dog in a freak show. That's what you do. You charge a mission for people to come to see the dog that thinks he's a cat. How much more so the African that thinks that they're European, their diet is a European diet, their dress is European dress, their language is European language. How much more so? So then we must begin to develop the institutions that let us know that even though in a lot of instances and circumstances and cases that we're forced to behave the way we behave, that we speak English because English was forced upon us, that a lot of times we dress the way we do because of employment, unfortunately, that if you go in with your ethnic uh, uh, garb on or dress a certain way that you may be discriminated against, how unfortunate. But so a lot of times we're forced in these positions, but at the very least, at the very least, then a child should come home or you should be able to come home to an Africanized institution. And this will raise our children not to be afraid of their Africanness. Talking about the institution of religion, I was talking about someone who um, went to Catholic school coming up, and they were telling me about Catholic school, and they was and they were telling me how they burnt candles and said the Hail Marys and went through all the other things that they do in. Uh, the Catholic school. And I said, how interesting. Because if you did the same thing and had a black face or 
called it a different name, a different deity. They would say that's voodoo. Don't do that voodoo, man. Stay away from that. And I'm asking, what's the difference? The power of an institution is the only difference. The power of an institution. These institutions have trained you, like I said before, to to despise the very place that you came from and despise anything that is attached to your place of origin. This is what these institutions have done. So until we begin to um, develop institutions that teach us contrary, and it's going to take work. You see, the black man and the black woman here, I'm not going to say we're lazy because we're not a lazy people, but when it comes to being accountable and responsible for our own or putting in a little more um, effort to educate our own, there's something about that that tends to have us to shy away from, tend to uh, sidestep it. We become so dependent on our oppressor that we don't even think for ourselves no more. The things that we do are so abnormal and so adverse to the very nature of an African. But we, their institutions are so thorough. Their institutions are so thorough that we no longer pay attention to it. And this is dangerous. This is dangerous for people that are seeking their independence and their liberation and their empowerment. You will never be empowered emulating another people. It's impossible. You will never be empowered emulating another people. And don't think that they don't understand the power of the African here in America, institutions that they have developed for us here in America are just haphazard, that they just sprung out of thin air. They were designed that way. Understand that this country was built off of not just the genocide of Native people. Listen to what I'm telling you. See, we hear this so much. What I'm saying has been so redundant that we're divorced from it. You know, when you're constantly exposed to something, you begin to develop a college. You begin to develop an immunity to it. Your sensitivities are no longer as sensitive as they should be to the plight of human people. You're talking about a people that were all but, I mean, all but wiped off the planet Earth when we talk about the indigenous people, the Native American, all but wiped off the planet Earth. Physical warfare, germ warfare was waged against them. Straight massacre. We're talking genocide. It surprises me that the Native American hasn't taken the charge of genocide to the UN against the or to the world courts against the European. A lot of good that would do. But you're talking about genocide. So you're talking about a land that was founded on the bloodshed and the extermination of people and was developed on the bloodshed and kidnapping of another people. And this is how this society, this is how these Europeans, this is how white America, because that's what exactly what it is, white America. You say, oh, man, that was so long ago, Brother Yanga. That was, you know, we're living in America now. This is not, You're still talking about a system that was set in place to empower white males. They were so atrocious that even their women had to fight for rights. That was to empower white males. And the only way for you and I, for any people to be successful here in America, is to emulate white male behavior. 
This is the institution that we're talking about. And why won't they allow or why um, the problem with a black nationalist institution, an institution that promotes unity amongst black people, liberation amongst black people, we see that the other nationalities that have it, why such a problem when Africans here in America clamor for this unity or clamor for institutions that develop that? Because their way of life is dependent on you being subservient. Their way of life is dependent on you and I being subservient, unaccountable spending. So we spend haphazardly. We don't think about where our dollars go. Their own institution depends on you and I overindulging in lasciviousness, in every type of barbarity and savagery known to man that they put and promote in our community. The only way that they will ensure their way of life is if you and I behave in a certain manner. And when we talk about developing institutions that say, hey, this is abnormal to the natural character of an African, that this is abnormal to a true black man, to the true nature of an African man, then they come against you. You don't, you don't believe me? Still hollering. Free Mumia Abu-Jamal. Aren't we still hollering? Free Matula Shakur. Aren't we still yelling? At the top of our lungs, hands off Asada. Didn't they assassinate, murder those brothers and sisters who came up and dared say that we as an African people can accomplish anything that we will? Isn't this what happened to them? People that were trying to break the mental yokes and the mental shackles placed on our minds by white supremacist institutions, when they told us that the behavior that we were participating in was abnormal to us, then their lives were in danger. And this is what we're facing now. And believe me, you, they've studied the movement. So now what they do is, and I tell them, they say, well, people say, well, yo, Yanga, you're talking about white supremacy, and especially me coming from Atlanta, what they call the Black Mecca. Niggas that'll do it to you down there But I tell you that white The white supremacist institution Is so thorough In what it does That it doesn't have to be a white male Implementing it It is so thorough in design That you will find Other nationalities A white supremacist structure And it's so subtle It's so smooth It's so Undercover that you will find, and especially amongst the Negro, this, this good old Negro, people who are fighting to tell you that it is no longer a white supremacist institution, that it is American. What, 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 what ethnicity? What ethnicity is America? You tell me. And when I go to China, I'm looking for a Chinaman. When I go to Japan, I'm looking for a Japanese. When I go to Mexico, I'm looking for a Mexican. So you tell me the Americas is. So by it not having this one ethnicity, then they understood that they must develop institutions to maintain their superiority. They must develop institutions to get you and I to accept their superiority without question. And it was beating us at one point in time. Our language was taken. Our religion was taken. 
Our morals and our ethics were taken. Our culture, our social structure was taken from us, and it was beat in us. And then after it was beat into us, after generation after generation after generation, they psychologically did it. Once they divorced you from your true identity, they gave us an identity. And we started to accept it. But, oh, like any oppressed people, like any oppressed people who has resistance in their DNA, whereas revolution is found in their very essence, in their very core, in the very the very being of those people, you always have that movement, those brothers and sisters that says something isn't quite right, unplug me from this matrix. So you find it in this day and time. We're saying that something is not quite right, unplug us. So at least we've reached and established that point. But where we still fail, where the Willie Lynch is still working on you and I, is when this knowledge has come to us, we compete with one another in it. We compete with one another. And who has more knowledge? Who's the most profound? Who's the most charismatic? And we don't come together and bring our brightest mind, bring all this ingenuity, bring all of this brilliance together to start to form institutions that we can push to our children so that our children will begin to receive this and have a strong, positive African identity, an identity that encourages empowerment, an identity that clamors for liberation, an identity that wants to do some building. And it's not difficult to do. One of the biggest tricks that have been taught to us is that this is a difficult task. It is not a difficult task. It simply starts at home with your children. And from home, then you start with your, your, your neighbors and the community. How many times, brothers and sisters, have you heard me here on this radio saying there's something as simple as a liberation school on Saturdays, a couple hours of the day, serves twofold what program, the programming that your children have faced in school five days a week, eight hours a day being taught to be subservient, being taught black inferiority, African inferiority, and white supremacy. So you have these schools that counteract that, and they also serve for those brothers and sisters of us that know about impoverished neighborhoods, possibly feeding that child again on the weekend because when school's out, maybe on the weekends a lot of our children only eat one time a day when there's no free breakfast or free lunch. Something that simple can start in your living room with a coloring book and us taking the time to talk to our children, but we've been divorced from that sense of community. We no longer, we say that it's not our concern or these little children are bad. Gation, the sense of responsibility, you're responsible. You and I are responsible. We don't have a say in the matter. You and I don't have a say in the matter because whether we like it or not, you have to accept that these young people whom we label terrible, on a lot of cases, not myself, thank God, but where a lot of our people have said are terrible are our future. 
So the need for institutions are imperative now more than ever. Imperative now more than ever. We're looking at, for those of us that keep up a little bit with this news thing and this so-called current administration, I know, I know, a lot of us holler about the politics, but you know my philosophy. Everything I, I say with Chairman uh, Fred Ham Sr. said, politics is everything and everything is politics. There's no way around it. You say, what do I have to do with politics? Politics has everything to do with you. If you're paying a light bill, a gas bill, a water bill, if you're putting gas in your car, all of these things. So politics has to do with you. So we're saying that without our, our young people being educated to what's going on, then they're going to be going on. And to go back like this current administration, when we're talking about the current administration, they're hell-bent on doing away with what they call Obamacare. Hell-bent. Thank God that even they were confounded. They're bumbling themselves. Couldn't come up with a better plan. So the bill's been put on hold. They couldn't repeal it. The bill's been put on hold. So what does this do? This should give the revolutionary brothers and sisters, you and I, an opportunity to devise a health infrastructure. I'm not talking about, we're not, we know overnight we're not going to get a hospital, but we begin to educate our brothers and sisters on health. A lot of our health issues simply come from bad diet. But how many of us know that? How many of us know what a good diet is? How many of us have access to proper food? You see, we go after the major things or what we deem to be the major things. This is why I say that we must begin to learn the difference between a revolutionary and an activist, where activists are much needed. And, and, and I applaud all my brothers and sisters that are active in, in their communities. And they go to the protests and they go uh, to picket and to other things. That's applauded. It's bringing awareness to our issues. But we need more than a social band-aid. We need more than a social band-aid. I love to get on the Facebook and I see the Feeding the People projects. I'm not going to call them programs. We had a program on the difference between a project and a program. But we have the Feed the People projects, feeding the people and not teaching the people how to feed themselves. It's a project and a social band-aid. Call a spade a spade. It's a social band-aid. If you have to continuously and constantly feed the same people year after year, day after day, month after month, without having any real program for these people, for us, not these people, us, to come up and for us to be self-sufficient and to begin to feed ourselves, then we only have a social band-aid and haven't addressed the real ills. So then we must begin to develop institutions that teach us to feed ourselves, proper budgeting, and their baby steps in the beginning, in the beginning. Get out of the romanticism. We have to shake off the romanticism where we think that the revolution is an event and not a process. The revolution is a process, and it's an ongoing process, brothers and sisters. It's tireless. I mean, it, 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 you get, it is exhausting. It's thankless. It's all of these things. But if it isn't anything, it is necessary. 
It is necessary. I'm your brother, Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party. This is Independent Black Talk Radio. The need for institutions. If you like to chime in, if you like to join in the conversation, you can press one. We'll open your mic and recognize you. And I'd love to hear from you. Some of the things that you've observed to be a problem for the African here in America. Why you see the need for institutions or why you don't see the need for institutions. Some people think that this is just more empty rhetoric, that this is not what we need our phone lines. Let's open it up. Oh, I see. Let me open up the first phone line to Chairman Carr. Chairman Carr. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Black power, sir. Uh, Black power to you. I just wanted to come behind you and add on to the institution uh, because institution is is all our lives, man. Uh, everything that exists on the planet have an institution, and that's even from the roaches to the rats to the squirrels uh, to the birds. And those institutions are respected, and that's why they're still flying around. That's why they're still crawling around. That's still why they're jumping around, because they protect the institution. But when it comes to you and I, and you hit a very good point, See, man and woman means mind, and his job is to destroy a mind. If you if you destroy a man's mind, he could be darker than a smokehouse, but be white in his mind as George Washington. Why? Because they took his mind. The mind is everything. You can lose your arm, but you still got your mind. You can lose your leg. You still got your mind. You can lose your home. You still got your mind. You can lose your job. You still got your mind. But when you lose your mind, what do you have? And his job is to destroy uh, our mind. And when you said the uh, indigenous people, the Native American, you are correct. One of the things that he does, and he do it with the mind, he first put labor. He came here, and the indigenous people, and they talk about Thanksgiving, and the uh, the pilgrim and all this, but the next thing they did, they called them savages. So they were justifiable. When he went to Vietnam and fought the Vietnamese people, he called them uh, gooks. And when he fought the Japanese people, he called them japs. When he went to Africa, he called them savages. Whatever he does, he plays on the mind to dehumanize us as a people. And when we keep calling him the white man, and not knowing what we're talking about, keep calling a white man, oh, man, he liked that because the dictionary made it clear. It's pure, clean, and righteous. But everybody else, everybody else, he put a name on it to justify. He called the young brothers uh, in the community thugs. He labeled his his attack before he come there, and now he got a new movie out called Kane Khan. That's talking about you and I, man. These niggas better wake up, man. Second phase of King Kong, meaning that they got to stop the black power movement. Mm. Right on. Yeah. Right on. And so they use this psychological warfare, and this is why when we look at how things going, man, 
how do we deal with the institution in the home first? School is the second institution. The first institution is between male and female. That man and that woman, that husband, that wife, and that house, and the relatives, man, that is the first institution. And his job was to destroy the first institution. That's why when he brought us over here, kidnapped us and brought us over here, he did not recognize family structure. But he will lynch you if you look at one of those pale-skinned women. Right on. Look at Emma Teal. Look at Emma Teal, man. Look yeah. how many brothers in prison today, man, just because they walked down the street and looked at that pale woman because he knew that was his institution because that's how he gave birth to himself. But then he come in our community bringing disease, bringing germs. He come in our community because he don't represent and he don't respect our institution. That's why the program is so important, and we have to understand institution is just not a building. And many brothers get caught up on the college and, and this. Well, man, we need a building, build an institution. No, your institution starts within yourself and your household, man. Before we had anything, before we came here to America, man, we had institution. And that Caucasian was jealous. That Caucasian was jealous, man. Man, uh, man, we had huts and we had everything, man. Ain't nobody burned nothing down. Ain't nobody broken nobody's house, man. We had, and then coming inside, we had screen doors. We had black hospitals. Mm-hmm. I was raised up in a black hospital called Martin Plant. We had black schools, but we were segregated, but we were happy. And then when they right. integrated us, we became miserable. We done lost our damn mind. So I'm saying that let's get out of here and back together. What I'm going to do, I'm going to leave uh, your mic open, man. You know, I'll leave your mic open and get in. But I want to go to these phone lines, too, a little bit. Do you mind staying on with us a little bit and sharing with us? Hey, you know, this is family, man, and this is a state of emergency. We're in a state of emergency. Yes, we must be on the line. Thank you. No problem. All right, let's go to another caller, 708. Four one two three. Your mic is open. Seven zero eight four one two three. What's going on? Yeah. Brother Yanga. Hello. Hello? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, uh, great. Greetings, Uncle Carl. How you doing? Hello. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we yeah I, was saying, I, was, I was saying greetings to my uncle Car Abdul Car. How you doing? I'm doing fine, comrade. All right, good, good, good. You know, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a, I mean, it's an ongoing. Chief. Chief. Yeah. Let uh-huh. me let me I I definitely would like for you to introduce yourself though, man, for the for, for the listeners that don't know who you are. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh. Uh. Can you come right back to me because I want to take this. Uh, I want to. I want to get in a better area so y'all can hear me. Just can you give me like three minutes? Okay, we'll give you like three minutes. Yeah, come right. Yeah. All right, because let me see who this is on the line. If it is who I think it is, I'm going to be so excited. Let's see. Two one six zero three one four. Your mic is open. Yeah, it's your revolutionary day. Yes, I'm sir. just listening. That's what I thought it was. I'm on <laughs> Go ahead. Teach, brother. I'm critiquing you tonight. No, I'm just making no, that's just revolutionary love. Uh, everything that you're saying is wonderful and beautiful and absolutely correct. 
And, uh, you know, uh, Brother Kahar, Chairman Kahar, you know, we all speak the same language, man. We one man. We one family. We one group. We one family. So I don't have nothing that I really could add to it other than because he just straightened that up. See, the institution is not a building. The institution is a person. See, and see, this is why they Caucasian get over because he know his institution is is himself and his culture. And even if you say you dislike, even if you say you dislike me, I hypnotize and mesmerize you with my culture. I got you anyway. Yes, because if it was whatever my hella days is, that's what you gonna celebrate because you don't have none of your own because you're integrating, assimilated to my culture. So his institution is him as well as anything he believes in. If he says a white Jesus, we'll say it's one. If he give you picture, regardless of what the book tells you. So so understand that when we say we're gonna uh we need a, to build our own institutions. When you see me, you see a piece of the Panthers institution walking right in front of you. The thing is, can you, study, can you study right. me? See, can you get your, your leader, your teachers, and your guides in the proper perspective where when you got your liberation school, I can liberate you into who what we are. The question is, what is a panther? Mm-hmm. Who is a panther? And how are we panthering? Those are the questions because we are our own institutions. The reason why our communities is broke down, our institutions are broke down. We can solve the problem overnight if we know how to make a commitment to one another. You don't know how to make a commitment because we was uncommitted. When did we re- ever reconnect the commitment? If we want to build a million dollars tomorrow, we can almost overnight. But we don't believe it. And if we got it, who can we trust? What you going to do with it? See, we'd rather have nothing, nothing, and stay in the institution that we're assimilated in as opposed to taking a chance. Voice. As opposed to taking a chance on building something for self. And that's what we used to do. The only problem that you are power, black power, black money is black power. Black people is black power. Why? Because we institutionalize everything that belongs to us. Sorry, my voice is going out a little bit, but I, I, I didn't have that much to say. I'm just loving the show. Continue. All right, man, and that's, that's uh, Minister of Justice, Brother Kareem, out of my revolutionary father, man. One, and, and listen, I'm glad he called in because that is a prime example of institution. When we talk about institution, we talk about, you know, how the brothers and, and, and uh, sisters and there's a big rise on that, are going to the correctional institution. And when they've been in there for years and they come home and you see them having a certain behavior and a certain mannerism, we say that he's institutionalized or she's institutionalized, have been become institutionalized. Well, Brother Green is a prime example of when we talk about this institutionalization. And, you know, I was born a panther, but the, the real practice of my pampering came from my being Insta Panther Institution in Cleveland, and Brother Kareem was one of the first brothers to start to, instit- to implement this institutionalization because there were certain mannerisms, certain behavior. When we came into our office, we saluted our flag, and this was not a something you had a choice to do 
this was something that you did. So now what it created in me right. is a reverence for the red, black, and green flag. The way that's that we right. handled one another and conducted our business, it created in me a certain behavior and a certain mannerism. And like Brother Kareem is saying that when you become institutionalized to this, and other brothers and sisters become institutionalized in this path of behavior. And I'm going to go outside of the path of organization, but talk about any progressive revolutionary organization. There's codes and there's guidelines that you should have That's and right. become institutionalized with that we begin to recognize one another. But we That's don't right. want to develop these institutions because to develop an institution, like I said before, at the risk of sounding redundant, takes responsibility and accountability, and it takes enforcement. You see, these things have to be enforced. You know, that's you, right. I was listening to a show that Shannon Kahar, my um, biological and minister, Kareem, my revolutionary father, that they were on, and they were talking about um, the, the role of minister of justice. And my father and I had a discussion after the show, and I was telling them, and I was teasing, but I was so serious, how in the chapter we had two lead officers. We had a chairman and a minister of justice. We didn't have a chief of staff. We have a defense minister at that time. Yeah, we have right officers. <laughs> but we had those two key positions. We had the leadership and the visionary to take us in that direction, and we had the enforcer to enforce the behavior, to modify niggerism, to destroy the nigger in us, and to develop this revolutionary type that could grasp the vision and start to implement the things that it took to carry out this vision. You see, this is what we're talking about when we talk about institutions. But a lot of us don't want to, if we don't have the discipline or we don't have the heart to be accountable to it, we don't have either have the heart to enforce it or the discipline to adhere to the enforcement or to the legislation and rules that we establish for ourselves. I've never seen anything like it. It's the damnedest thing. You were going yeah, to stand before this. Go ahead, Brother Chairman Carr, please. Let me add this. That is why uh, if our brothers and sisters are watching what is happening now uh, with the so-called uh, elected president, he speaks of two things. One, he speaks of the health care, and he called it Obamacare, and it's not Obamacare. It is called health care, but he used Obama because he still wants to put the black man out there as being an enemy that is trying to help the people. The other thing is, he said, homeland security. He's saying we got to deal with protecting the American people. This is why when we say we're Panthers, we are the people, New Black Panther Power for Self-Defense, because we have the same right as he has. We got to have to take care of the health of our people, and we got to defend our people too, because we are a nation, and until we recognize that, and the Europeans talk that language all the time, and we listen at them and don't know that that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to have a healthy community, and we're supposed to defend. Our, uh, uh, we're supposed to defend our community. So what is happening now is that they are looking at that, and this is why they're looking at the Panthers. And brothers and sisters don't understand that there are brothers and sisters now who are being harassed. There are brothers and sisters now who are being visited by the government. There are brothers and sisters now who are on a job and they're afraid of the job now. Why? When you declare yourself a revolutionary black nationalist, then that's one thing. And I'm going to end this by saying this. Uh, when uh, Betty Shabazz came 
to uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, we pulled security for her. And she broke something down to me, man. She broke it down to me, and, and it would never leave me. She gave me a whole interpretation of the red, black, and green flag. We said, under God, the red represents the blood that we shared, and the black represents the nation, and the green represents Africa and the light. You know what she told me the red represent, And I love it, and I'm teaching it today because it's a whole new day and time. She said the red represents warning and danger for black coming at your ass. <laughs> okay. Warning. That has to be a warning. Let's go to, let's see if I dear brother, and again, you're listening to People's Black Panther Party. I'm your, your host, Chairman Yang and Krumah. We got Chairman uh, Abdul Kahar on the line, Minister Justice Kareem. Just a high-powered thing. Want to bring in our National Minister of Culture, Mansa Sanjata K. to Kimara, and uh, let's see if he's ready to lend to this conversation and, and, and talk with us. Mansa. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How are you, brother? How you doing? I'm well, brother. Good, good, good. The greetings to all of our, our you know, our ministers and our brother chairman, Mahfoud Abdul Kahar. And uh, thank you. you know, I, I think you all are, you know, uh, I don't think I could, you know, really say what hadn't already been said, you know. But the but the the plight is is that you know we have a, a fatal attraction trying to rationalize rejection, and, and we all are like that, you know. I think that we, we don't understand when the per when the person does something to you that is unjust. You you want to rationalize why is the injustice being done, and I want you to know what I'm saying very well. You want to rationalize. Now, I I had a brother over the weekend. I'm like, and he did and he did something to me, and I was like, it's so wrong. And you try to have dialogue with the individual and try to talk with the individual and say, listen, why you do this? It's not right. Let me let's look at it. And it doesn't matter. They. You know, I'm not, you can't rationalize insanity. You can't rationalize evil. It is what it is. Right. And so the only thing you can do is exit yourself from an evil incarnate situation. And we've been in America 400 years, and we've been, the white man has took his pants down and did number one on us and number two on us, and continue to do this. We try to rationalize this and say, well, you know, master is a toilet. Why you got to pee on me? Master, that's important. Why you got to shit? Why, why you got to shit on me, master? And, and, and you keep that's trying right. to rap with master. It's better if you shit in the toilet because you can flush it and you can put the blue bubble stuff down there and it'll be real good and you can clean off yourself. You know, even shitting on me is unsanitary for yourself. But yet he continues to shit on you. Excuse my language. Continue to take a piss on you, and you can't understand. And the more you try to rationalize it, you know what I'm saying. You you, you you make yourself insane. And it shows you we're insane. Here we are, as we talked about um, the criminal injustice system. We talk about, you know, how black men are, you know, are there's more black men on parole, probation, and in prison and in jail than it was in 1850 during the height of slavery. You know, and Mr. Garvey dealt with this nearly 100 years ago. And yet, That's still, right. 100 years, we still in the same condition, still watching on TV a white, blue-eyed pig shoot a brother down. And say, you know, you see what they did? 
No, they didn't do the white man like that. You see what they did? When white people go there, they do, the, they do them fair. This cracker is supposed to put his foot up your ass. That's He's right. supposed to be what he is, and that is an evil incarnate, racist, blonde hair, blue eyed, hook nose, butter milk complexion, no good racist bastard. That's his job. Now, what is your job? He's a your job when, Exactly. Your job is that you see this, then we have yeah. to galvanize and create a nation that we can call our own. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all. Because if you look at the, the you, you look at the numbers, they we we only twelve percent of the population. In order to get justice in America, it requires you to get the other eighty percent, eighty some percent of the population, mm-hmm. to be benevolent towards you, and you're not gonna find it. So it's insane to try to rationalize someone else's insanity. And, and, and I think that's what we have here. So. We have to galvanize. In the meantime, in between time, yes, we can we can vote. Yes, we can we can you know we can control our local politics, our local uh, uh, you know school council, our local mayors, our local aldermen, our local um, county commissioners. That all can be done, and that can help us to, if you will, help us. It's like a, a aspirin, or it's like a, a ibuprofen. Help you know help ease the pain or numb the pain. But the only thing that's going to cure your, your problem is getting away from white folks and then getting the white man without, out of yourself. And the reason Let me why just I share this with you, comrade. Mm-hmm. Let me just share this with you, comrade. That is why what you're saying and is one of the things why, and, and I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it all the time until when it's time for me to give up my ancestors. The greatest mm-hmm. fear that the enemy have is organization. This is why he came against Garvey. This is why he came against Malcolm. This is why he came against Elijah Muhammad. This is why he came against the Panthers. See, when they look at organization, because white supremacists is an organization. They are organized. The clans don't have no beef with the skinheads. The skinheads don't have no beef with the Nazis. The Nazis don't have no beef with the uh, uh, the National Association of White Folks. White folks all come together, and that's including the Democratic Party, Republican Party, the Tea Party, and any other party. When it comes to white folks surviving, they have their own difference in argument, but it, when it comes to them surviving, as a nation of Caucasians, they will come to the table and they will put their cards on the table. They're afraid that when when we organize, they ain't worried about a, a faction over here, a faction over there, a chapter over here, a chapter over there. But when they see when we organize, they say we got to stop organization. Their job are in the business of destroying organization. Uh-huh. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and let me jump in there with you. And, and one of the reasons you, you hit on a key point, uh, Abu Shemitah, is when you said that they will come together for their survival. The African in America has, you know, and, and this is, of course, my opinion, has yet to really grasp that we are fighting for our very survival. For Thank our you. This is what we have to understand, that this is all organizing, like Chairman Khan said, organizing. It's not a social club. It's not something we have the luxury to participate in or not participate in. This it is imperative 
for the continuance of African people. And when I say African people, do I believe that they will physically be able to destroy every black person on the planet Earth? No, I don't believe that. But the African mindset, the black mindset, that mindset that pushes self-determination and self-sufficiency, that mindset that says um, what the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey said, Mr. Garvey said, up you mighty nation, you can accomplish what you will. That mindset that says I must, not that I want, but that I must, be free. You see? Mm-hmm. This is, and until we as an African people really understand that and really take that to heart, then we won't be able to uh, organize on the level or at the intensity that is necessary for our liberation. And to go back and to echo a sentiment that Minister Justice said, who is also a hell of a, you know, wears many hats, and one of them throughout the thing has been a Minister of Finance. We the proof is in the pudding. Out of all of these formations that we have and things that we have going on, do we put our money where our mouth is? Mm-hmm. Do we begin to pull our resources so that we can start to establish things that will be advantageous for an African people here in America? And that's the question. And the question is out there to to the to the brothers and sisters out there listening. The need for institutions. Why the need for institutions? I'm your host, Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party. Please, if you'd like to be recognized, press one. You can get in this conversation. We've got some, got Minister um, Kareem, Minister of Justice Kareem, our National Minister of Culture, Master Sanjata Keita Kamara, my father on, Chairman Abdul Kahar, and many people listening. If you'd like to make a comment, opinion, please come in and, and we'll what? recognize you. But, yeah, Ch- Chairman Yanger, what, what I what I was saying yes, is that you know, and that, and that's something that I mean, it's just it's just you know, and, I, and I'm just as I go through personal, as I got to be, you know, now in my forties, and, and I begin to understand a person' emotional attachment to a perspective. You can't defeat that, you know, and let, and let me liken this, and, and 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 what it stems from is that okay, yes, white, 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 white people. I like I like a bowel movement, you know. I hate to keep using feces to use examples, but he's all the crap in human nature. He's the actual turd of humanity, and I, I, I hate that. That's what the white man is. So, but it's in us because you look at how we interact with one another. You know, if you tell someone that really believes in his heart, his mama taught him. Two plus two is five, and you gonna say, man, you know, no, bro, two plus two is four. No, it ain't. It's five, brother. It's not, man. F you. I'll whoop your ass. You tell me, my mama taught me. You say my mama lied to me, and no matter what you do, okay, bro, let me show you something. If I got two apples, and I add two more apples, let's count them: one, two, three, four. Man, you say my mama lied, and they want to kill you because. He's emotionally tied to his perspective. You cannot rationalize with that. You see what I'm saying? So, therefore, that's what white folks feel. They are better. They're superior. No matter what you say to them, you can't rationalize with them. Now, what we have to do is rewind back 1,400 or 1,500 years ago, prior to the Arab coming in and invading Africa, and get back into healing African society because if African society was the was perfection, you see, 
then the Arab nor the white man could have came in and turned Africa upside down and inside out. We have to get back to dealing with that. So when we get rid of Let the white man, we, we got a whole lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Let me just share this, comrade. Mm-hmm. First of all, this is what we have to understand, and, and, and this is what had happened to us. The Honorable Malcolm Sy Garvey, and we talked about that. Garvey said we had everything, and that European, and you got to believe in why we never had no government. And that when we talk with brothers and with Africa, and this is with the Negroes in Africa, too. I'm talking about because they got niggas in Africa like they got them walking here. Excuse me for my language. I'm saying Africa be in A. That is our motherland. I'm claiming Ghana. I'm claiming Nigeria. A creator, forefathers, and my seed there. So my DNA is on Africa. And he know his DNA is in the cave in Europe. He's a Caucasian. He ain't white. He ain't European. He is a Caucasian. He come out the cage. So he got his DNA, and he's doing what he's supposed to do. Right. And he's doing what he's supposed to do, man, saying that what we have done, we haven't lost our DNA. Chairman, you they call now. us Africans, man. No, my DNA is from the motherland, the first civilization that was set up, and and so it ain't so much the Caucasian, and this where the Panthers, and I'm talking to the Panthers now, that are on the line, listen, our fight ain't so much with this Caucasian, because we know he's a snake. Our fight is with these Negroes, these preachers, these uh, uh, bombs who became Arabs, these preachers who became white. These brothers and sisters who are coming with all these different forms in, in our community in a long So I'm saying that it's better that when you sit in the house and don't sit this with the Panther Party, and I want y'all to listen very closely, ain't a white man could ever came in the house and poison Chairman Fred Hampton and set up Mark Clark. Ain't no white man could come in the Panther Party and bug the Panther Party and set up for the murder of Panthers around the country. Ain't no white man can come into the Panther Party that caused Sister Shakur to be left. Ain't no white man came in and got saved and all of them killed on the New Jersey Turnpike. Ain't no white man came in the Panther Party that set up you and all those brothers. I'm saying our fight is dealing with the minds uh, those Negroes who have been, I won't even say brainwashed, because we the one that are doing the brainwashing because the brain been dirty. We need to clean these niggas' brains out because their brains are dirty. And I'm saying with a program like this, we doing the brainwashing. We cleaning your brains to let you know who you are. And I'm saying that the day in the community, the European sits back in the community, and he know who he is. But the brothers and sisters that don't know who they are, they're afraid of our program. They're afraid of what you and I are doing tonight. They're afraid of what you and I are doing when we walk in the community because we're doing some brainwashing. We're cleaning some brains out, man. And so they understand that, man. It ain't the white man. We got to get the right man back right. Black power. Black power, absolutely. Again, the need for we go back to 
uh, what initially the the the, the uh, topic is. That's the need for institutions. You know, the need to start to develop these institutions. And one of the reasons we wonder why these um, Arabs or the, the imams that emulate the Arabs or these churches that emulate Europeans or Caucasians are so prolific in delivering their message and to having the people get on the mindset is the institutions they build. The institutions that they right. build start to address the everyday issues and problems, even even in the wrong manner, and the needs of the people. They, they're, they're, they're throwing, you know talk, we were talking about one day the food program. We were talking about the third development panthers, whom a lot of people call the original panthers. We were talking about the third development. And, you know, the question came up and said, well, now that the government and the churches have taken over those programs, are those programs right. essential in this day and time? Are they still as effective as they were in the third development? And my answer to that would be that they're even more needed and would be more effective because it wasn't the program. It wasn't, I think, a lot of our, you know, the Panthers, like I said, when we study history, we begin to uh, romanticize the, mm-hmm. the, the, the third development. And we start looking at the food program. And so we get out here and we set our little tables up and we set our things up and we want to give food. But it wasn't so much the grit as the ideology. You Come see, on now, not teach. Only the third development, did they teach? Were they feeding the people and were they physically offering the people nutrition? But they were feeding the minds and they were showing the masses of people that we can be self-sufficient. We can be independent. Come on now. We can do it for ourselves. So this is the need for these institutions to arise again and begin to not just address the day-to-day needs and issues of African people in America, but to address the psychosis to address the mental sicknesses and illnesses that begin to plague us as a people. See, if a man don't care how much you know until he know how much he cares. I always say that they can't hear you over the rumbling of their belt. We have failed relationships in the black community. People are in danger of being evicted. The lights are out. Police are murdering us. On and on and on, the problems that affect us, man, there's a list of them. So until we start addressing these issues, and showing people how to address these issues, then with this is where the ideology comes in. But it must we have to get out of the thing of romanticizing the movement, Facebooking the movement, social media the movement. The majority of the people that we're trying to reach, I know us anyway, at the People's Black Panther Party is what France for known affectionately called the lumping proletarian, the everyday brothers and sisters, those below the working class, that hustler brother, that hustler sister, those people out there, the very people that we're trying to affect and the people that we're trying to reach don't have access to damn social media. You need the us as revolutionaries have started to begin a revolutionary recycle bill. You'll find one brother in this formation and that formation, and when he falls out with that formation, he's in this formation, and so on and so forth, and we're recycling one another. And we're not addressing the issues that affect the people, the everyday issues that affect the people. Hence the need for these institutions to start to correct some of this behavior and some of this thinking. Let's go to our phone line. Area code 404 What's happening? Your mic is open. What's going on, Brother Yangu? What's going on, sir? Can you hear me? 
I'm good. Yes, I I wanted to say everybody gave some really good comments tonight. You know, I took a lot of notes, and um, I agree with a lot of what y'all saying. Like the institutions and stuff, we need to destroy. I'm looking at, you know, like separation, and a lot of people might be scared to touch this topic, but, you know, the government, I think we need to quit paying attention to, and even their institutions that they're building. we got to look at the people that's funding and causing the inflation of the dollar bill to keep us in capitalistic situations. And I feel like, you know, this is just my opinion, if we focus more on some of the things that the Panthers and, like you all said, Marcus Garvey and all those people did, they cornered so many different, you know, aspects of resources until the point where we didn't have to ask for separation. Our people started to naturally separate themselves, like you all said, with self-sufficiency. But I think one thing that we didn't pay close attention to that Hoover and a lot of people was looking at is the fact that with them doing these things, they were actually overthrowing the real power structure that we don't see every day, and that's called the dangon, um, the, the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is the one that causes all the issues, and although we're voting and doing all these things about the institutionalized things, I mean the institutions that they have created, the Federal Reserves are the ones that make the decisions, so we're really attacking the wrong people and going after the wrong people. I think that's why our revolution is not being paid attention to. The revolutions before us from Marcus Garvey with the Garveyites and Huey P. Newton and the Panthers, and we could go on and on with the Louisville 7 and all of the people that we have learned from, from the security methods, all the way down to the self-sufficiencies, those were things that we no longer needed the dollar for because we learned love, unity, and barter trade system when currency was destroyed. So that was really critical. Also, I look at the fact that some of the things that we should pay attention to as well. We need to fight a never-ending war. There's no rules and regulations in war. A million revolutionary march on the Federal Reserve with the sisters, the brothers, the children, and everybody else of oppressive situations because the Panthers said power to all people because we got to understand that there's all people that is going through these issues in and outside of this, you know, systematic way of living because we have people all over the nation. And I think that's why another reason some of our organizations was destroyed. I just wanted to add, you know, one more thing because I don't want to take up the um, the radio. If Go we ahead, start to attention, thank you. Mm-hmm. If we start to pay more attention to the fact that America is a corporation, see, we can't keep reinstitutionalizing our people. That makes us look like a bit of performance. There is no government. There is nothing but an illusion. There is no institutions. Once we identify with the common laws of the land, this is not America. This is West Africa that they identify with. But then even said after that, we can't identify with Africanists. We must tell our people the laws of the land and tell them that they're Tasmanians and Chemites. And only then that we can identify with those tribes naturally, culturally, even Willie Lynch teaches us we would separate ourselves and we would kill something in their sleep. If it's legal for them to write it, I'm sure it's legal for me to quote it. So, you know, they try to twist terminology. So with that being said, I just wanted to say that we got to rise up. We got to start telling the truth. We got to start speaking about everything because strategically they're using religion, institutions, all type of strategic methods to keep dividing and conquering us. And the one thing that they have us believing in is an illusion that we are Americans and we're trapped in it. We are free people. 
All we have to do is free the dome, and that's giving them the information that they need and strategically teaching our people that there is no rules in war, especially when we are in a revolutionary warfare. And that's power to all people. Thank you very much. Now, I got to commend Sister, Sister Nandi. I want. I think. I think she's a very brilliant sister. Very well said, articulate. You know, I just every time I really hear her throw down, it just it warms my heart. You know, one of the things I want to say, you know, uh, of Chairman Yang is, is that we tend to make the complex very, uh, you know, difficult. Like I said, the body moves three ways. It, it can bend, it can stretch, and it can twist. And, and that's it. So, you know, life is, is not as difficult as it seems to be, but it's consistent. As you look at the as you look at the um, the Earth, you know, which has a weight of six sectillion tons, a unit followed by twenty one ciphers, and it rotates around the sun, you know, and makes its revolution. It's you know the sun is amazing, it's powerful, but the sun is consistent, and we have to do. You know, I hear so much so much brilliance coming out of us, and, and we are brilliant people, man. You know, you, you look on on YouTube, you see. Dr. Umar Johnson, Sarah Sutton Seti, all these brilliant scholars, but yet the consistency and discipline of 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 of, of uh, sticking to the program, and that is ridding ourselves of white supremacy, we get sidetracked. So what we need is we elders to be able to sit down and resolve conflicts. You know what I'm saying? We need elders to sit down and talk to us and keep us on track. Because, like I said, what makes the sun so consistent, you know, is that, I mean, what makes it so powerful is this consistency, you know. The sun shines on a consistent basis, you know what I'm saying. It's not here today, it's not here this year, and gone next year. And if we consistent in what we do, we would tear down white supremacy, you know, and we consistent. And then actually beginning to cure the problems of, of disrespecting each other. Cure the problems of, of, of uh, you know, not uh, communicating with one another. And what you were saying, Chairman, about the about the consistency, you know, with the with the Facebook, what that does really hurt us because you get people, you know, we have conflicts with one another, and Facebook causes a lot of problems. You know, texting. You know, we don't even want to talk. I'm texting you. I'm gonna text you, brother. Talk mm-hmm. to me. You texting. That's what I so, and, and you te- which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. We so we got we got all these you know this technology which keeps us from even communicating with each other, interacting with each other. You know what I'm saying? So that's well, the problem. So, mm-hmm. go ahead, bro. Not say that. And that's that's what we have is a so we, you know we actually need our elders to sit down. And and, and practice conflict resolution. Because a lot of things. I mean conflict conflict. Resolution. A lot of times things happen. If I see Brother Yanger, and he and I do it all the time, going in the wrong direction. As my brother, I love him. I know he's doing something wrong. I'm not going to sit there and say, Yanger, go ahead. Yanger, do that. Do this. I'm, no, Yanger, don't do that, brother. You know, don't. Yanger, and, and, and we may have to argue, and we have to get together. We may have to, you know, put the boxing gloves on. And, but at the end of the day, as he takes my advice and I take his advice, we're a lot happy, man. I'm glad you told me not to do that. But see, that's what we have in this society. You know, you take the conflicts, take the conflicts between Umar Johnson and Seti. Where's the people telling them they're wrong, 
to act like that, to be on YouTube acting a damn fool, letting white folks say, look at these ignorant-ass niggas, and they ain't fighting none, they ain't, none of the white people. They on there debating each other and talking about each other and all this stuff. Where they, where they invite they, they go along with that stuff. We need a co- elder to sit down and, 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 and pull our coattail and don't accept, you know, wrongdoing. If we do that, we can be consistent, and white supremacy is on its way out of us. Well, see, we have one act just like... Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. One of, I Could I say something to that? Oh, yes, sir. Oh. yes, sir. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't want to talk over nobody. Oh, the brother, I just wanted to make a point while the brother had brought it up. It's like I told Sadie, I, just, I did. I talked talk to Brother John, Umar Johnson. See, here's the thing. <clears throat> we got to get into, see, what they're doing is what you call competing. Uh-huh. You are not right. collaborating. Uh-huh. There's a difference between competing and collaborating. Right, right. And then, I, and then I have to look into how sincere your competing is. What are you competing for? What are you going to get out of it? And who's going to benefit? Uh-huh. Where's the collaboration? There's competing versus collab. No, no, no. We need to be collaborating. Exactly. Today. See that, that exactly. scholar, and listen to this. To listen to this, scholar of what? Right. Speech of what? What are you? What are you building? I asked right. Umar was revolution when he came here. Where is the school? He said, "Well, brother, right. you know I got to get together and I want to build." I say, "Let's." Let me tell you something. There, there's you, Umar Johnson, uh, 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 Cornell West, Juwazu Jukunku Fu, and man, we can go on and on and on and on. I say, y'all are book writers. You're right. entertainers. You're informators. You're not illustrators. And you're right. You I'm sorry. But see, the reason I say right, that man. is because the reason why I say that is because I silently. And I don't like to brag. I like to show people. That's why I'm glad uh, uh, the people on the phone is on the phone to bear witness. I silently, I'm not no, I don't profess to be no this and no that. No, I'm the Minister of Justice for the People's New Black Panther Party. And I'm going to build me a business. And I'm going to build a business they ain't built. And we're going to get it. I'm only doing that to show. I wasn't competing. I was collaborating. When we collaborate, yeah. we benefit. So That's we gotta right. look. They say follow the money. I follow. When you follow the money, you'll see. This is how some people make a living. Right. Come on, man. Come yeah, on. Come yeah, on. Come yeah. on. See, because if hey, you know, all these educators, if you these mm-hmm. educators, and we don't even have an after school program, right? I hold you man. in contempt of education. Thank you. So I hold Ooh. you in contempt of education. Don't tell me how mm-hmm. much law you know with your law degrees. And we ain't got no defenders. Our babies still running around here with these public de- uh, pretenders. Every time we get a case, we got to go get full time. But you want to talk about how big a lawyer you are? I hold you in contempt. Thank you. That's right. Hey, you know what? You know what the brother saying? You know what the brother was saying. He makes a good point. If you look at Marva Collins, right? Collins started. She had her husband had a two flat building, and Miss Marva Collins started her school in. Her home with a few children and it escalated to profound the world. So why do we need this big? That's that's the excuse trying to buy some multi-million dollar school. You know what I'm saying? That you know, and then blame the people when 
it don't pan out, what's wrong with starting small and then working your way up? If, if you so look what's, at what, me, what's wrong with showing me any demonstration? Right, any. right. Yeah. If you, you look Where at Booker T. Washington, Booker T. Washington started Tuskegee. Well, what he, he didn't have, he started Tuskegee with a little bit of land, and he and he started building on it. They, he taught the people. They were the, they the ones that made the bricks and everything and built Tuskegee. So what's wrong with starting off with twenty, thirty kids? And say, yeah, I took little Johnny who couldn't read, and now little Johnny's reading at a college level. Show me twenty, thirty well, kids, and twenty, thirty multiplies to a hundred. Hundred multiplies to thousands. So that's what, what, what he's saying is right. What he's saying is right. Do you, know why they multiply? do you know huh? why they multiply? Listen to what we said earlier. Now listen to this passage as well. We said. Mm-hmm. Organize, organize, organize. Organized. You can go to almost every city, but you can go to almost every city, and you'll find some groups have organized. Right. Organizing is beautiful. That's good. Right. But right. if you don't unify, your organization right. don't mean nothing. You got three over here, five over there, yep. two over there. Organized. Yep. But are they uh-huh. unified? Uh-huh. That's why I said only one Panther party. You can keep taking the, the, the knife and slice it and dice it and call it what you want to. The reason why I love the fact that it was called the People's New Black Panther Party, and I didn't like new. I like the People's Black Panther Party. There ain't nothing hey, new we about us. We got a home with but, but But I'll take that. We'll take that and go on with it. I ain't want to play with fight over that, but I'm just saying that to say this. There's only one Panther. That's right. So we can organize all we want to until we unify. Uh-huh. See, I knew until I put my dollars together, you go to work every day and have money. But if your money ain't making money, you broke. Uh-huh. Take That's how the money world works. If you got $10 and you spend $1, you got nine. Uh-huh. You spend two, you got eight and seven and six. If you don't take your money and have a dollar to invest in a dollar and have some of that economic intercourse and your money making money, you are broke. Yeah. So you but you know, no, we got no. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Sorry, brother. One of the solutions. The key solution yes, to that, and I think, and I agree with like what uh, Brother Minister saying, and also what you're saying, Minister Culture, um, and especially what Brother Minister Kareem is saying about the unification, and uh, you know, uh, of all of us, and not just the Panthers, brothers and sisters. I'm listening out any progressive yeah, right, right. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for yeah. we thanks say for Panthers, because, that you know, when you rocking his cat, yeah, when you rocking his cat, we, it's a whole different standard. So we. Saying Panthers, but we're talking about any progressive revolution. Yes, black that's nationalism. right, brother. That's right. But, the, that's right. but the thing that is going to unify us is just that black nationalism. And I that's think right. that we have failed to really grasp the concept concept of black nationalism. And we see nationally, and I tell anybody that lives in a major city, go to any section of your city where other ethnicities live. And you will see nationalism. When you go to any city, you got Chinatown, That's right. you got little Italy, right. you got little Russia. Right. And all of them don't try to do, you know, see what we do, as I like what Minister Green said, we get into competition. We go, and it's talking yeah. about a revolutionary movement. We go to telling one another, the first thing you got to do 
Man, we've been attacked on every front. When you go into these federal <laughs> That's right. they don't say the first thing they got to do is get a grocery store, I get a school, I get a doctor, I get a candle maker and a, and a butcher to baker. They don't say they just start doing it. The nationalism, That's right. when you practice nationalism right, it will begin to produce what your community needs. See, when That's you're practicing right. nationalism, you're, it's like um, Chairman always talks about organization. When you're organizing in a black national structure, organization begins to be your body. When your body needs something, it will begin to produce that thing that it needs. If you got a body, mm-hmm. you need a school or school. We don't say, well, we start with a school and start with a hospital, and then we need the grocery stores. We need it all. And black nationalism right. is inclusive of all of those things despite your religion. The only thing we have for you at the People's Black Panther right. Party and most Panther parties that I know of is basically, let's be realistic, we're reading from the same manual, believes in a revolutionary theology. The only thing we ask yep. you, if you come in with your, with your Christian, I'm not going to knock you for your Christianity. I'm asking that you come in and your Jesus be a black revolutionary messiah. If you come in with your Mohammedism, with your Islam, and you're talking to a brother that spent 14 years as a Salafi. I Don't tell me about Islam. And it took black nationalism to knock some damn sense into me. You know what I'm saying? Now I have to come in with a black revolutionary Islam. I had to learn the difference between Arabism and, and the Islam that is productive and advantageous for African people. So we're saying that when you, if these spiritual systems, if these systems motivate you and encourage mm-hmm. you and inspire you, if they inspire you to liberate black people, then we welcome those things. If you come in an atheist or whatever, whatever happens, as long as it's advantageous for the continuation and empowerment of black people, and this is nationalism. When we start to get into this thing, like Minister Green says, where we compete, and then when we set up compete, we don't understand that we suffer from neocolonialism. Then we start to practice this supremacy on one another, not just on white people, exactly. on one another. We look down our nose. Right. We tell this person that he's not doing it. He's not doing it. Listen, let me tell you something. I'm not a reformist. You know, I'm not a reformist. I don't believe that you can reform this racist legislation, a racist constitution. I don't believe it was designed to be advantageous for the black man. But I don't go out and destroy that person who says, you know what, in my local politics, I'm going to vote for someone that's going to change the condition of my living locally. Because what ends up happening is we become loud and don't say nothing. We start to begin to tear down and don't have anything to replace what we're tearing down, something that, and I know I'm referencing you a lot, Minister Green, not to put you on the spot, but something no, again brother, you said earlier. We begin to practice their hell days because we haven't come with another holy holiday. You see what I'm saying? So when we start <laughs> to begin to tear down these white supremacist institutions, then we must have something better, and it will be better when it's based on the advancement of African people and that that speaks to the nature of the black man and the black woman here in America, then we have to have that thing to start to implement it. We have to not only implement, not only teach it, but implement it and practice it and have it to That's replace right. those very institutions that we're tearing down. Because right now right. It, it seems to a lot of our black people that are living day to day as empty rhetoric. Chairman Carr, I'm going to let you go, and then we're going to go to your phone lines. Yeah. Okay. Hey, one thing out of Chairman Kamar, uh, Chairman, let me add one, one quick thing on what you were saying. Uh, I got a phone line. Somebody has been listening. You're going to be brief, Chief. Yeah, be brief. Re- I, yeah. I, I want to make sure because you guys are always on the show. You know your mics are always open. Okay. But I let the people know that this is their radio program, and I want yeah. the people to always know when they press one, we don't recognize them and try to answer their questions. Right. Yeah, go ahead. 
Chairman Carlisle or okay. Chairman Carlisle or after the call, yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, one, uh, uh, Matt, it was a good point because when we understand the organization uh, African Unity, Crum and Krumah was, uh, was born and raised up a Catholic. Circa Torre was a Muslim, and my brother, uh, Haiti Salafia, was a Hebrew, but they came together and they built the organization African Unity and were Malcolm trapped through the countries, and he came back to America and organized the organization of Afro-American Unity. He didn't deal with the religious aspect of it. He said this is an organization that's dealing with the unity of our people. And the question is, is that it's the one thing that we're addressing. We got a lot of scholars. We got a lot of scholars. But the difference is, and the program is, revolutionary institutions. Are they revolutionaries? See, see, we got to define what is a revolutionary, man. You know, we can be cultural nationalists, or we can be this, or we can be uh, inter-national uh, 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 nationalists, but are we revolutionary nationalists mean that are we bringing about changes and we're willing to work those changes? That's why the program is called Revolutionary Institution. We have to have institution, and it must be under a revolutionary philosophy. And that is revolutionary philosophy is revolutionary black nationalism. But we have the history, and we have the history. It ain't about so many formations about who we are. And I said earlier, our DNA, our DNA is who we are. And we didn't come here in America on the love boat, and we sure didn't come on the sailboat. We came on the slave boat. Black power. Black power. Yeah, just real, I just really, really quick, I was going to say is that what the brother was saying about coming together and unifying, that, that's easier said than done. Let me tell you why. is because we don't have the elders to correct that which we see outwardly wrong. You see what I'm saying? And you look in history, we, we have leaders who are in position or in power, and they they wrong their members, and there's no one to come in and say, that's, that's not right. You know, get a brother out and really have people to keep us in unity. You see, that you look at Malcolm X and Elijah Muhammad, there was some things that were done wrong on both of their parts. But what was that? Who, who, who could, who can go to Elijah Muhammad and tell him he was wrong or something? Because guess what? He was the messenger of God. You see what I'm saying? Who could tell me he was wrong? Nobody. And that's what we don't have. We we have a we have a system. If you if you go back to you know ancient Africa. Before the, the king, the Igwe, the Obi, whatever you call them, the elders were the ones that counseled everybody and they respected them. So if, if Elijah Muhammad, what, what's that? If Elijah Muhammad would have had, you know, a, a, a council of elders that could say, "Listen, don't do that," you know, that's and, and Malcolm, you don't do that, and y'all come together, and then eventually, when, when it becomes, if you just can't disagree, you have to agree to disagree. And, and, and not look at it as taboo because Malcolm want to go out and start some of his own. That's why when I have those that have left my organization, I wish them well, brother. I wish you well. And let's collaborate, like the brother was saying, on issue. We don't do that. We get mad because the brother wants to strike out on his own, once may have followed, and now he wants to take another position. We should still be able to collaborate and work together on that which we, you know, agree on. That's it. But we don't have any else to sit down and tell people when they want. You know, that's the that, that's, that's brother. Hard. 
that's one me, thing that uh, what we talked about the Panther earlier, and I'm hearing this, man, and it's upset me being 66. I've been in this movement since I've been 15. I've been organizing. I fought the Klan, bullet to bullet. And what has happened is that we think that we can be in America, have an organization, and not be confronted by the enemy. A lot of this ain't just because brothers have disagreements. Our organization is infiltrated because we live in a system that is based upon military intelligence, man. So when we organize, it's like the uh, uh, minister just said, when we organize, we got to make sure people we follow our orders. If you ain't following your general orders, brother or sister, then we need to pull you over and put you in check, man. We ain't walking in the road, God, man. There's a war going on until we understand as Africans here in America, that's a war going on. We wear the uniform, man, like we think it's a parade. No, it's a war going on, and you organization, the devil is there. You look at your right job, on. the devil is there, man. And I'm saying that we walk around here with pastors and we're talking that and don't think that uh, there's opposition to destroy us, man. I'm a survivor. And I smell them every time I walk down the streets. I smell them when they get around me, man. There's a war going on. Until we recognize there's a war, there's going to be genocide. The only time genocide can be committed against a nation of people and when they don't recognize that they at war. Uh, let me go to the phone lines on that. We're going we gonna to hold text off. Let me go to the phone lines. 229-8236. Your mic is open. Oh, that's brother K-Bob. K-Bob, what's going on, brother K-Bob? So, I've been yes. listening to this for how yes. I feel, man. We need to start with all our black people, man, and stop all this killing and stuff. That's what we need to work on, stop all this killing each other and disrespecting each other. We ain't got no respect for each other. That's why we're going to stay messed up until we take care of that. And that's all. Well, yeah, thank man, you, Brother K-Bob, for calling in. Definitely appreciate that. Loyal brothers, man. Yeah, the brothers. The brothers. Huh? Yeah, thank you. Let me get out. Let me thank Brother K Bar too, man. Yeah, we definitely want to thank you, Brother K Bar, for calling in, man, and uh, doing and, and having that input. Let me go to let me go to one more phone line, Sister Nunby. Your mic is open. Um. Okay, I think that was Brother Kareem speaking. He made a lot of valid points about the Umar Johnsons and stuff. And, I, you know, I want to keep it real on the line today because I know everybody on this line real. So I'm going to say what I want to say. We need to quit hiding the fact that we got a bunch of boot-licking-ass Uncle Tom Negroes that has been planted in our areas, and they are radicals, and they have infiltrated us since 1966. 2,500 informants in the Panther Party. Let's not worry about all the other organizations. In the Panther Party due to counterintelligence under J.S. in the 60s. So if that was going on in the 60s and we have had multiple people that have came in and pretended to be leaders 
of the black people and leaders of pan-Africanism, and they manipulated us and led us astray, we have now lost many soldiers. If we keep hiding the fact that we got bootleg and Uncle Toms that are working with these people and the strength of 2.5 million officers are mostly black officers that's in our communities, then we will be able to stop some things. I don't care about speaking about the Elijah Muhammad. I don't care about speaking about the murderers or the things that we have found out because this is how we're being taken down by not debating enough. Sarah, I understand his method. That's one of the people that I idolize. Some people might not agree because he's real. He's not too intellectual to speak his mind, and he's also fighting a valid point. We need to debate more and stop letting the Karingas of today teach things like Kwanzaa when we know that's a created method in order for him to manipulate the people. Pan-Africanism and also African-American are two totally different things. If we continue to allow people like Elijah that are taking people down like Malcolm and Khalid and Farrakhan that are manipulating people and because we are a part of certain organizations and we don't want to talk about our black people, we're going to continue to have a problem. The strength that the white supremacists use and the reason why we have never been able to get to the structure is because a lot of us fail to realize that we are oppressed of multicultural. The reason why the multicultural are oppressed is because the government is ran by multicultural an Arab cannot tell a black man what to do, or a Chinaman cannot come and tell a white man what to do. So they got white, black, and all of that at the top of the line that's controlling each slave mentality. This is how they critique their methods. Pay close attention to the willingness method. Pay close attention to the Umar Johnson that has gotten $2.5 million from multiple people that really support the revolution, and there are no schools. Why are we not building them ourselves and exposing this bootlicking Negro? And finally, I just want to say about the elders. Chief, I respect you, but let me tell you something. I've learned a lot from Brother Kahar and a lot of the elders that I've came in contact with. Me going back studying the 60s and people like Clark and John Henry Clark and people like that, that's how I'm getting my knowledge. We have gotten too intellectual where we feel like the elders can't teach us anything, but it's funny how they have survived decades upon decades of keeping knowledge in their mentalities, and they're still here to teach us today. So I think that the elders are to be respected, and we understand that even though in their older ages, they're still able to teach us some type of knowledge. We can free the dome by taking all of the things that they have been through and critique the method of making change for our people. And that's all I wanted to say. Power to all people that are oppressed people. Thank you. Power to all, power to all oppressed people. Let me let me let me jump in there and say because and and make some very good valid points. Now you know anybody knows me don't know sometimes I understand what you're saying about the debate thing, but I have to go back to what Minister uh, Kareem was saying about the debate. He didn't say debating was bad. He said follow the money, follow the money. Anytime. You debating and you charging thirty and forty dollars for me to hear you argue with another Negro about what the damn walls of of, of Kemet said. You know what I'm saying? How beneficial is that? You know what I'm saying? Yes, we get, it's become entertainment. African people become you know it's different to debate for knowledge to build upon. But you looking at this is their livelihood. They've taken the struggle. And I'm not knocking Sarah. Me and Sarah cool. You know, anybody knows me knows me and Sara Poo. You know what I'm saying? So this ain't no personal attack on Sara. It's just like you right, said. Right, exactly. And he's real. He's exactly. real. You know what I'm saying? And that's how he makes his livelihood. 
he's taking um, his studies. You know, we as revolutionaries, we feel like that there's an obligation. And I can say, my man, if, if anybody I've met out of this, and this is, and I have to, you know, sometimes come to the bench to, to Minister Green. When you talk about putting your money where your mouth is, you talking about a man that have four, five day camps, a man that have business, a man that funded some things, buildings, and I'm not going to go all into the brother's accolades, but putting his money where his mouth is. Now, when you're talking about a brother that has had to study, and we feel like when you get to study as a revolutionary, you almost have an obligation or responsibility to give this knowledge to the people. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be compensated in some way, shape, form, or fashion, but when your livelihood is based on debating other people on black knowledge and you charging this much for tickets and stuff like that, we just saying we following the money. You know what I'm saying? Some of that come, I'm looking at, like you said, what Umar got the money for the school. I'm looking at it, and this ain't no knock, Sarah. Somebody get on the phone, go back, tell us, Sarah, man, you ain't going to talk about you. I don't want to see no YouTube about That's me. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, I'm just saying, you have made hundreds of thousands of dollars in this debate thing, and I'm trying to see where your institutions are. You can get up there and talk real <laughs> nigga shit. It's like they call it in the streets. Excuse my language. You can talk real rah-rah, the black power bar, and this and that, but I'm looking at you have you have benefited and, and, and nicely from the black community. Ben, you know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to see the very same thing. Yeah, benefiting. So I'm trying to see the very same thing you're attacking this man about. You know, some questions can be raised about, you know, your financial contributions to the to the movement. So this is what we're talking about, the debate. It ain't so much debating, but we're saying that we're following the money. And as African people, mm-hmm. I think that we have become frivolous with our money. We love to be entertained. You know what I'm saying? So it, it it's become an entertainment thing. You know, it hasn't become for the, in my opinion, of course, edification and benefit of black people. It just becomes shit. That's how that brother lines his pocket. So the mighty go. Did you want to add something, brother Chris? It's gonna always come from the ground, baby. It's gonna come from the dirt. People take my word for it. No matter how educated, see, because see, we selling information. I've been in all schools and ain't got no degree. But information, and you don't have to demonstration because you're in my eardrums. Listen, and I'm gonna leave this alone. It's of entry into seven in the face and two below the waist, and you got to guard all of them. And if I can get in your ear, I can get in your brain. And that's why all the brothers want to talk to the sister on the local and girl. Let me talk to you. And some sisters talking to brothers too. Let me get them digits, girl. You because see if I can hit your ear, drum, it will beat the signal to your brain. So if I can yeah. say, here comes brother Abdul Kareem, Minister of Justice of the People's New Black Panther Party, he get ready to drop it like it's hot. But when I leave there, you you just as cold as you was. Ain't nothing got built. There's no collaboration is what I'm saying. See, so if I collaborated with that city, you would have a contact with me. People used to ask me, why you don't just travel and go from, I'm not going into those people's situation and raise their hope, wishes, and dreams and don't collaborate and be able to demonstrate what we're talking about. All this information and no demonstration. Information minus demonstration equals elimination. Information mm-hmm. plus demonstration equal creation. You think I'm lying? Get your wife. 
If both of y'all are healthy, see, can't you create something? See, can't we create something? Because, see, you're going you to implement her. You're going to, yeah, girl, ooh, you're looking real good. Then we're going to demonstrate. And then we create. Now we're trying to figure out what we're naming this new baby we just made. Now, that could be economics. What's we going to name this new building? What we're going to name this new classroom? What we're going to name this after-school program? What we're going to name them vehicles we just purchased? Where is the demonstration? We say we panthers, we this, we that. And, and, and I thank you, uh, uh, Brother Younger. That's all of our black Nazis, revolutionary, pan-African family, whatever denomination or what, whoever and however we call ourselves. I'm speaking to all of us because we're going to unify. We talked about that Caucasian institution. The only way he got his thing to come to operate, he don't just city to city, state to state, country, world is all over the world. So it mm. was family. You know what? Because at the end of the day, to me, it, it's all going to boil down to revolutionary black nationalism. Black, that's right. You know, black nationalism. It's, it, that's what it's going to boil down to. You know, I understand, like, you know, we have to, the thing you have to understand about this, that, see, that, that's what gets me. No savage. And I call them savage and have the right to call them savage. History bears witness to the savagery and the barbarity and the, and the depravity. So there should be no savage. That can now organize them. But at the end of the day, when you look at him, he disagrees. He has different. He's That's a Presbyterian. Right. He's a Catholic. He's a Baptist. That's right. They're Jews. They disagree on stuff. You got the Republican. You got the Democrat. You got the Independent. You got the Tea Party. You got the Green Party. They disagree. But what do they all agree on? They have agreed to disagree about about the things that will they. Better are a fan than white supremacist society. See, we have a right. to disagree. You can have That's all right. of us can sit at a table as long as we come up with the thing. Say, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, the the judging factor, the criteria should be black liberation. That should be That's the criteria. Right. I don't give a damn what you are, what you call yourself. When you sit at the table. It should be black liberation should be the deciding factor on how we go. And we should be able to disagree, and from those disagreements, great things are built because when everybody agrees, you know what they call that? They call that a cult. When everybody agrees, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you don't have no dissension, and ain't nobody disagreeing, and everybody's like, yeah, 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 that's called a cult. So we don't have to be cultish as long as... Our bottom line, our criteria is black salvation, black liberation, black empowerment, black advancement, nationalism, nationalism, nationalism. Has to be at the end of the day. Listen, look at them others. Up in Cleveland, you, you know, you up in Cleveland. You look at them, man. You think all of them Arabs are Sunni? You are Ahmadiyya, a Shia, a this Muslim, them all them Arabs, and some of them ain't even Muslim. Some of them Christian. No, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Some of them not. But they practice an Arab nationalism. Right. It's the same with the right. out of New York. You got the Hasidic Jew. You got the curly yep. Jews with the curly locky locks. 
You got the yep. Jew that looks, don't wear nothing, does it? But all of them agree on Judaism. Mm-hmm. All of us Jews, they live in the same community. They, but you get with us, we feel like that all of us have to be on one mindset. That we can't mm-hmm. do what we got to do. I don't have a problem with us disagreeing, but we've lost the basic fundamental principle of what is called the disagree that we learned early on in the black community. What your mama told you? Family business, stay in the house. Isn't that what yep. your mama told you? It don't have to be yep. deep. I don't need to read the walls of Kemet to remember them lessons I learned. Well, I know you ain't out there talking about business. No, ma'am. <laughs> that, that, that was just black thinking. Mm-hmm. Hey, Yeager. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, Yeager. And I'll tell you yes, what sir. our mother tell us when we when we act a fool. She said, boy, you done lost your mind. <laughs> you done lost your mind. Exactly. So we don't even keep our disagreements in the house. We have broadcast our disagreements so that way we can be exploited. And it's just like any house. You'll fight your brother. You'll fight your cousin. Be out there tearing each other up. Let that outsider come in and get in that fight. Oh, he didn't seen a bad day. He didn't seen a bad day. Only thing that outsider better do is say, hey, man, y'all know better than that. Y'all brothers, cut that out. Hey, y'all brothers, stop. You better not choose a side. Or you going to find out how much the brothers they really are. Tear your ass up is what will happen. But we've lost that sense of communalism and family because in our colonialism, in our sense being knocked out of us, We've taken on the role of our president, and we have the audacity to practice a supremacy with one another. How are we going to practice a supremacy with one another? Listen, I don't give a damn what nobody calling themselves. All of us in the same boat. When that pig pulls you over, when they ask that pig for a description of the suspect, he don't say he was a more, he was a Muslim. He say a black male. Black male suspect. He might describe what he got on, a black male dressed like a Muslim. Black male with a cross ribbon. But you a black male, black female suspect. When that pig shoots you, that pig don't say, Assalamu alaikum, nigga. Then squeeze the trigger. He don't say, Jesus bless you, nigga. Then squeeze it. He say, nigga. Male or female, he say, nigga. So we're the only ones that begin to divide ourselves among these lines that nobody else in the world sees but us. And that is in an effort to escape being what we really are to the eyes of the world, and that's a nigga. See, everybody want to be everything but a nigga. So we'll hide under other banners and take on this title and say, instead of us coming together and empowering ourselves, empowering ourselves. Oh, brothers and sisters, this show went too quick. Listen, I thank everyone for listening in. Please tune in again. I want to thank all my people that came on, Chairman Kahal, yes, Minister of Justice, Kareem, the National Minister of uh, Culture, Master Sanjata Kaker, my man, K-Bar, everybody that chimed in and listened, I want to thank everybody. Tune in next time. We'll sister be in there on Monday. And with that, man, I leave sister? you. Uh, that was Sister Nunn. Yeah, so I like feminism with all the masculine. Yes. So with peace that, to everybody. I as I greet you, all power to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power. Black power, bro. Black power. Black power. One time. Yeah. Yeah. Yo.
world, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee I duck, could it be my time is up, with my luck I got up, the cops shot again, bust stop glass burst, a fiend drops a Heineken, ricochet in between the spots that I'm hiding in, blacking out, I shoot back, fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rat, to the death of it, to everybody come on, little niggas is grown, hood rats, don't abortion your wound, we need more warriors soon, shit from the stars, sun and the moon, and it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers, sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors, if you really think you ready to die, we're not this is what nine is about, nigga. The time is now. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. That's all I need. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. All I need, niggas. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. Yeah. All I need is one blunt, one page, and one pen, one prayer. Tell God. Forgive me for one sin, matter of fact, maybe more than one Look back at all the hatred against me Fuck all of them, Jesus died at age 33 That's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17 27 hit your crew, 6 went into you Everybody gotta die sometime, hope your funeral Never get shot up, bullets tear through the innocent Nothing to spare, niggas roll up, shooting from wheelchairs My heart is racing, tasting revenge in the air I let this shit slide for too many years, too many times now I'm strapped with a couple of Macs Too many nines If y'all niggas really with me Get busy, load up the semis Do more than just hold it Explode the clip until you empty 